0: part one of book three of on the nature of the gods by marcus tullius cicero translated by charles duke young this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by geoffrey edwards when balbus had ended this discourse then cotta with a smile rejoined you direct me too late which side to defend for during the course of your argument i was revolving in my mind what objections to make to what you were saying not so much for the sake of opposition as of obliging you to explain what i did not perfectly comprehend and as every one may use his own judgment it is scarcely possible for me to think in every instance exactly what you wish you have no idea o Cotta," said velleus how impatient i am to hear what you have to say for since our friend balbus was highly delighted with your discourse against epicurus i ought in my turn to be solicitous to hear what you can say against the stoics and i therefore will give you my best attention for i believe you are as usual well prepared for the engagement i wish by hercules i were replies cotta for it is more difficult to dispute with lucilius than it is with you why so says valleius because replies cotta your epicurus in my opinion does not contend strongly for the gods he only for the sake of avoiding any unpopularity or punishment is afraid to deny their existence for when he asserts that the gods are wholly inactive and regardless of everything and that they have limbs like ours but make no use of them he seems to jest with us and to think it sufficient if he allows that there are beings of any kind happy and eternal but with regard to balbus i suppose you observed how many things were said by him which however false they may be yet have a perfect coherence and connection therefore my design as i said in opposing him is not so much to confute his principles as to induce him to explain what i do not clearly understand for which reason balbus i will give you the choice either to answer me every particular as i go on or permit me to proceed without interruption if you want any explanation replies balbus i would rather you would propose your doubts singly but if your intention is rather to confute me than to seek instruction for yourself it shall be as you please i will either answer you immediately on every point or stay till you have finished your discourse very well says cotta then let us proceed as our conversation shall direct but before i enter on the subject i have a word to say concerning myself for i am greatly influenced by your authority and your exhortation at the conclusion of your discourse when you desired me to remember that i was cotta and pontifex by which i presume you intimated that i should defend the sacred rites and religion and ceremonies which we received from our ancestors most undoubtedly i always have and always shall defend them nor shall the arguments either of the learned or unlearned ever remove the opinions which i have imbibed from them concerning the worship of the immortal gods in matters of religion i submit to the rules of the high priests t coruncanius p scipio and p sivola not to the sentiments of zeno cleanthes or chrysippus and i pay a greater regard to what c lilius one of our augurs and wise men has written concerning religion in that noble oration of his than to the most eminent of the stoics and as the whole religion of the romans at first consisted in sacrifices and divination by birds to which have since been added predictions if the interpreters of the sibylline oracle or the aruspices have foretold any event from portents and prodigies i have ever thought that there was no point of all these holy things which deserved to be despised i have been even persuaded that romulus by instituting divination and numa by establishing sacrifices laid the foundation of rome which undoubtedly would never have risen to such a height of grandeur if the gods had not been made propitious by this worship these balbus are my sentiments both as a priest and as cotta but you must bring me to your opinion by the force of your reason for i have a right to demand from you as a philosopher a reason for the religion which you would have me embrace but i must believe the religion of our ancestors without any proof what proof says balbus do you require of me you have proposed says cotta four articles first of all you undertook to prove that there are gods. Secondly, of what kind and character they are. Thirdly, that the universe is governed by them. Lastly, that they provide for the welfare of mankind in particular. Thus, if I remember rightly, you divided your discourse. Exactly so, replies Balbus. But let us see what you require let us examine says cotta every proposition the first one that there are gods is never contested but by the most impious of men nay though it can never be rooted out of my mind yet i believe it on the authority of our ancestors and not on the proofs which you have brought why do you expect a proof from me says balbus if you thoroughly believe it because says cotta i come to this discussion as if i had never thought of the gods or heard anything concerning them take me as a disciple wholly ignorant and unbiased and prove to me all the points which i ask begin then replies balbus i would first know says cotta why you have been so long in proving the existence of the gods which you said was a point so very evident to all that there was no need of any proof in that answers balbus i have followed your example whom i have often observed when pleading in the forum to load the judge with all the arguments which the nature of your cause would permit this also is the practice of philosophers and i have a right to follow it besides you may as well ask me why i look upon you with two eyes since i can see you with one you shall judge then yourself says kota if this is a very just comparison for when i plead i do not dwell upon any point agreed to be self-evident because long reasoning only serves to confound the clearest matters besides though i might take this method in pleading yet i should not make use of it in such a discourse as this which requires the nicest distinction and with regard to your making use of one eye only when you look on me there is no reason for it since together they have the same view and since nature to which you attribute wisdom has been pleased to give us two passages by which we receive light but the truth is that it was because you did not think that the existence of the gods was so evident as you could wish that you therefore brought so many proofs it was sufficient for me to believe it on the tradition of our ancestors and since you disregard authorities and appeal to reason permit my reason to defend them against yours the proofs on which you found the existence of the gods tend only to render a proposition doubtful that in my opinion is not so i have not only retained in my memory the whole of these proofs but even the order in which you proposed them the first was that when we lift up our eyes towards the heavens we immediately conceive that there is some divinity that governs those celestial bodies on which you quoted this passage Look up to the refulgent heaven above, which all men call, unanimously, Jove. Intimating that we should invoke that as Jupiter, rather than our Capitoline Jove, or that it is evident to the whole world that those bodies are gods, which Velleius and many others do not place even in the rank of animated beings another strong proof in your opinion was that the belief of the existence of the gods was universal and that mankind was daily more and more convinced of it what should an affair of such importance be left to the decision of fools who by your sect especially are called madmen but the gods have appeared to us as to Postumius, at the lake regillus Wattianus in the solarian way something you mentioned too i know not what of a battle of the locrians at sagra do you believe that the tinderidae as you called them that is men sprung from men and who were buried in lacedaemon as we learn from homer who lived in the next age do you believe i say that they appeared to Wattianus on the road mounted on white horses without any servant to attend them to tell the victory of the romans to a country fellow rather than to m cato who was at that time the chief person of the senate do you take that print of a horse's hoof which is now to be seen on a stone at regillus to be made by castor's horse should you not believe what is probable that the souls of eminent men such as the tinderidae are divine and immortal rather than that those bodies which had been reduced to ashes should mount on horses and fight in an army if you say that was possible you ought to show how it is so and not amuse us with fabulous old women stories do you take these for fabulous stories says Balbus. is not the temple built by Postumius in honor of castor and pollux to be seen in the forum is not the decree of the senate concerning watienus still subsisting as to the affair of sagra it is a common proverb among the greeks when they would affirm anything strongly they say it is as certain as what passed at sagra ought not such authorities to move you you oppose me replies cotta with stories but i ask reasons of you footnote some passages of the original are here wanting cotta continues speaking against the doctrine of the stoics we are now to speak of predictions no one can avoid what is to come and indeed it is commonly useless to know it. For it is a miserable case to be afflicted to no purpose, and not to have, even the last, the common comfort, hope, which, according to your principles, none can have. For you say that fate governs all things, and call that fate which has been true from all eternity. What advantage, then, is the knowledge of futurity to us? or how does it assist us to guard against impending evils since it will come inevitably but whence comes that divination to whom is owing that knowledge from the entrails of beasts who first made observations from the voice of the crow who invented the lots not that i give no credit to these things or that i despise attius Nauius's staff which you mentioned but i ought to be informed how these things are understood by philosophers especially as the diviners are often wrong in their conjectures but physicians you say are likewise often mistaken what comparison can there be between divination of the origin of which we are ignorant and physic which proceeds on principles intelligible to every one, you believe that the decei in devoting themselves to death appeased the gods how great then was the iniquity of the gods that they could not be appeased but at the price of such noble blood that was the stratagem of generals such as the greeks call stratagemma and it was a stratagem worthy such illustrious leaders who consulted the public good even at the expense of their lives they conceived rightly what indeed happened that if the general rode furiously upon the enemy the whole army would follow his example as to the voice of the fawns i never heard it if you assure me that you have i shall believe you though i really know not what a fawn is i do not then o balbus from anything that you have said perceive as yet that it is proved that there are gods i believe it indeed but not from any arguments of the stoics cleanthes you have said attributes the idea that men have of the gods to four causes in the first place as i have already sufficiently mentioned to a foreknowledge of future events secondly to tempests and other shocks of nature thirdly to the utility and plenty of things we enjoy fourthly to the invariable order of the stars and the heavens the arguments drawn from foreknowledge i have already answered with regard to tempests in the air the sea and the earth i own that many people are affrighted by them and imagine that the immortal gods are the authors of them but the question is not whether there are people who believe that there are gods but whether there are gods or not as to the two other causes of cleanthes one of which is derived from the great abundance of desirable things which we enjoy the other from the invariable order of the seasons and the heavens i shall treat on them when i answer your discourse concerning the providence of the gods a point, balbus upon which you have spoken at great length i shall likewise defer till then examining the argument which you attribute to chrysippus that if there is in nature anything which surpasses the power of man to produce there must consequently be some being better than man i shall also postpone Till we come to that part of my argument your comparison of the world to a fine house your observations on the proportion and harmony of the universe and those smart short reasons of zeno which you quote and i shall examine at the same time your reasons drawn from natural philosophy concerning that fiery force and that vital heat which you regard as the principle of all things and i will investigate in its proper place all that you advanced the other day on the existence of the gods and on the sense and understanding which you attributed to the sun the moon and all the stars and i shall ask you this question over and over again by what proofs are you convinced yourself there are gods i thought says balbus that i had brought ample proofs to establish this point but such is your manner of opposing that when you seem on the point of interrogating me and when i am preparing to answer you suddenly divert the discourse and give me no opportunity to reply to you and thus those most important points concerning divination and fate are neglected which we stoics have thoroughly examined but which your school has only slightly touched upon but they are not thought essential to the question in hand therefore if you think proper do not confuse them together that we in this discussion may come to a clear explanation of the subject of our present inquiry very well says cotta since then you have divided the whole question into four parts and i have said all that i had to say on the first i will take the second into consideration in which when you attempted to show what the character of the gods was you seemed to me rather to prove that there are none for you said that it was the greatest difficulty to draw our minds from the prepossessions of the eyes but that as nothing is more excellent than the deity you did not doubt that the world was god because there is nothing better in nature than the world and so we may reasonably think it animated or rather perceive it in our minds as clearly as if it were obvious to our eyes now in what sense do you say there is nothing better than the world if you mean that there is nothing more beautiful i agree with you that there is nothing more adapted to our wants i likewise agree with you but if you mean that nothing is wiser than the world i am by no means of your opinion not that i find it difficult to conceive anything in my mind independent of my eyes on the contrary the more i separate my mind from my eyes the less i am able to comprehend your opinion nothing is better than the world you say nor is there indeed anything on earth better than the city of rome Do you think, therefore, that our city has a mind, that it thinks and reasons, or that this most beautiful city, being void of sense, is not preferable to an ant, because an ant has sense, understanding, reason, and memory? You should consider, Balbus what ought to be allowed you, and not advance things because they please you. For that old, concise, and as it seemed to you acute syllogism of zeno has been all which you have so much enlarged upon in handling this topic that which reasons is superior to that which does not nothing is superior to the world therefore the world reasons if you would prove also that the world can very well read a book follow the example of zeno and say that which can read is better than that which cannot nothing is better than the world the world therefore can read after the same manner you may prove the world to be an orator a mathematician a musician that it possesses all sciences and in short is a philosopher you have often said that god made all things and that no cause can produce an effect unlike itself from hence it will follow not only that the world is animated and is wise but also plays upon the fiddle and the flute because it produces men who play on those instruments zeno therefore the chief of your sect advances no argument sufficient to induce us to think that the world reasons or indeed that it is animated at all and consequently none to think it a deity though it may be said that there is nothing superior to it as there is nothing more beautiful nothing more useful to us nothing more adorned and nothing more regular in its motions but if the world considered as one great whole is not god you should not surely deify as you have done that infinite multitude of stars which only form a part of it and which so delight you with the regularity of their eternal courses not but that there is something truly wonderful and incredible in their regularity but this regularity of motion balbus may as well be ascribed to a natural as to a divine cause what can be more regular than the flux and reflux of the urepes at calcis the sicilian sea and the violence of the ocean in those parts, quote, where the rapid tide does Europe from the Libyan coast divide, Close quote. the same appears on the Spanish and British coasts. Must we conclude that some deity appoints and directs these ebbings and flowings to certain fixed times? consider I pray if everything which is regular in its motion is deemed divine whether it will not follow that tertian and quartan igus must likewise be so as their returns have the greatest regularity these effects are to be explained by reason but because you are unable to assign any you have recourse to a deity as your last refuge the arguments of Chrysippus appeared to you of great weight. A man undoubtedly of great quickness and subtlety, I call those quick who have a sprightly turn of thought, and those subtle whose minds are seasoned by use as their hands are by labor. If, says he, there is anything which is beyond the power of man to produce, the being who produces it is better than man. Man is unable to make what is in the world. The being, therefore, that could do it is superior to man. What being is there but a God superior to man? Therefore, there is a God. These arguments are founded on the same erroneous principles as Zeno's, for he does not define what is meant by being better or more excellent or distinguish between an intelligent cause and a natural cause chrysippus adds if there are no gods there is nothing better than man but we cannot without the highest arrogance have this idea of ourselves let us grant that it is arrogance in man to think himself better than the world but to comprehend that he has understanding and reason and that in orion and canicula there is neither is no arrogance but an indication of good sense since we suppose continues he when we see a beautiful house that it was built for the master and not for mice we should likewise judge that the world is the mansion of the gods yes if i believe that the gods built the world but not if, as I believe, and intend to prove, it is the work of nature. Socrates in Xenophon asks, Whence had man his understanding if there was none in the world? And I ask, Whence had we speech, harmony, singing, unless we think it is the sun conversing with the moon when she approaches near it, or that the world forms an harmonious concert as pythagoras imagines this balbus is the effect of nature not of that nature which proceeds artificially as zeno says and the character of which i shall presently examine into but a nature which by its own proper motions and mutations modifies everything for i readily agree to what you said about the harmony and general agreement of nature which you pronounced to be firmly bound and united together as it were by ties of blood but i do not approve of what you added that it could not possibly be so unless it were so united by one divine spirit on the contrary the whole subsists by the power of nature independently of the gods and there is a kind of sympathy as the greeks call it which joins together all the parts of the universe and the greater that is in its own power the less is it necessary to have recourse to a divine intelligence but how will you get rid of the objections which carneades made if says he there is no body immortal there is none eternal. But there is no body immortal, nor even indivisible, or that cannot be separated and disunited. And as every animal is in its nature passive, so there is not one which is not subject to the impressions of extraneous bodies. None, that is to say, which can avoid the necessity of enduring and suffering. And if every animal is mortal, there is none immortal so likewise if every animal may be cut up and divided there is none indivisible none eternal but all are liable to be affected by and compelled to submit to external power every animal therefore is necessarily mortal dissoluble and divisible for as there is no wax no silver no brass, which cannot be converted into something else, whatever is composed of wax, or silver, or brass, may cease to be what it is. By the same reason, if all the elements are mutable, every body is mutable. Now, according to your doctrine, all the elements are mutable. All bodies, therefore, are mutable. But if there were any body immortal, then all bodies would not be mutable every body then is mortal for every body is either water air fire or earth or composed of the four elements together or of some of them now there is not one of all these elements that does not perish for earthly bodies are fragile water is so soft that the least shock will separate its parts and fire and air yield to the least impulse and are subject to dissolution besides any of these elements perish when converted into another nature as when water is formed from earth the air from water and the sky from air and when they change in the same manner back again therefore if there is nothing but what is perishable in the composition of all animals there is no animal eternal. But, not to insist on these arguments, there is no animal to be found that had not a beginning and will not have an end. For every animal being sensitive, they are consequently all sensible of cold and heat, sweet and bitter, nor can they have pleasing sensations without being subject to the contrary. As, therefore, they receive pleasure, they likewise receive pain. And whatever being is subject to pain must necessarily be subject to death. It must be allowed, therefore, that every animal is mortal. Besides, a being that is not sensible of pleasure or pain cannot have the essence of an animal. If, then, on the one hand, every animal must be sensible of pleasure and pain, and if on the other every being that has these sensations cannot be immortal we may conclude that as there is no animal insensible there is none immortal besides there is no animal without inclination and aversion an inclination to that which is agreeable to nature and an aversion to the contrary there are in the case of every animal some things which they covet and others they reject what they reject are repugnant to their nature and consequently would destroy them every animal therefore is inevitably subject to be destroyed there are innumerable arguments to prove that whatever is sensitive is perishable for cold heat pleasure pain and all that affects the sense when they become excessive cause destruction since then there is no animal that is not sensitive there is none immortal the substance of an animal is either simple or compound simple if it is composed only of earth of fire of air or of water and of such a sort of being we can form no idea compound if it is formed of different elements which have each their proper situation and have a natural tendency to it this element tending towards the highest parts that towards the lowest and another towards the middle this conjunction may for some time subsist but not forever for every element must return to its first situation no animal therefore is eternal but your school balbus allows fire only to be the sole act of principle an opinion which i believe you derive from heraclitus whom some men understand in one sense some in another but since he seems unwilling to be understood we will pass him by you stoics then say that fire is the universal principle of all things that all living bodies cease to live on the extinction of that heat and that throughout all nature whatever is sensible of that heat lives and flourishes now i cannot conceive that bodies should perish for want of heat rather than for want of moisture or air especially as they even die through excess of heat, so that the life of animals does not depend more on fire than on the other elements. However, air and water have this quality in common with fire and heat. But let us see to what this tends. If I am not mistaken, you believe that in all nature there is nothing but fire which is self-animated. Why fire rather than air? of which the life of animals consists and which is called from thence anima the soul but how is it that you take it for granted that life is nothing but fire it seems more probable that it is a compound of fire and air but if fire is self animated unmixed with any other element it must be sensitive because it renders our bodies sensitive and the same objection which i just now made will arise that whatever is sensitive must necessarily be susceptible of pleasure and pain and whatever is sensible of pain is likewise subject to the approach of death therefore you cannot prove fire to be eternal you stoics hold that all fire has need of nourishment without which it cannot possibly subsist that the sun moon and all the stars are fed either with fresh or salt waters and the reason that cleanthes gives why the sun is retrograde and does not go beyond the tropics in the summer or winter is that he may not be too far from his sustenance this i shall fully examine hereafter but at present we may conclude that whatever may cease to be cannot of its own nature be eternal that if fire wants sustenance it will cease to be and that therefore fire is not of its own nature eternal after all what kind of a deity must that be who is not graced with one single virtue if we should succeed in forming this idea of such a one must we not attribute prudence to a deity a virtue which consists in the knowledge of things good bad and indifferent yet what need has a being for the discernment of good and ill who neither has nor can have any ill of what use is reason to him of what use is understanding we men indeed find them useful to aid us in finding out things which are obscure by those which are clear to us but nothing can be obscure to a deity as to justice which gives to every one his own it is not the concern of the gods since that virtue according to your doctrine received its birth from men and from civil society temperance consists in abstinence from corporeal pleasures and if such abstinence hath a place in heaven so also must the pleasures abstained from lastly if fortitude is ascribed to the deity how does it appear in afflictions in labor in danger none of these things can affect a god how then can we conceive this to be a deity that makes no use of reason and is not endowed with any virtue however when i consider what is advanced by the stoics my contempt for the ignorant multitude vanishes for these are their divinities. The Syrians worshipped a fish. The Egyptians consecrated beasts of almost every kind. The Greeks deified many men, as Alabandos at Alabanda, Tenis at Tenedos, and all Greece paid divine honors to Lucothea, who was before called Aino. To her son to hercules to Aesculapius and to the tynderidae our own people to romulus and to many others who as citizens newly admitted into the ancient body they imagine have been received into heaven these are the gods of the illiterate what are the notions of you philosophers in what respect are they superior to these ideas I shall pass them over, for they are certainly very admirable. Let the world, then, be a deity, for that, I conceive, is what you mean by the refulgent heaven above, which all men call unanimously Jove. But why are we to add many more gods? What a multitude of them there is! At least it seems so to me for every constellation, according to you, is a deity. To some you give the name of beasts, as the goat, the scorpion, the bull, the lion, to others the names of inanimate things, as the ship, the altar, the crown. But supposing these were to be allowed, how can the rest be granted, or even so much as understood? when we call corn ceres and wine bacchus we make use of the common manner of speaking but do you think any one so mad as to believe that his food is a deity with regard to those who you say from having been men became gods i should be very willing to learn of you either how it was possible formerly or if it had ever been why is it not so now i do not conceive as things are at present how hercules quote burned with fiery torches on mount etta close quote as actius says should rise with the flames quote to the eternal mansions of his father close quote besides homer also says that ulysses met him in the shades below among the other dead but yet i should be glad to know which hercules we should chiefly worship for they who have searched into those histories which are but little known tell us of several the most ancient is he who fought with apollo about the tripos of delphi and is son of jupiter and lysito and of the most ancient jupiters too for we find many jupiters also in the grecian chronicles the second is the egyptian hercules and is believed to be the son of nilus and to be the author of the phrygian characters the third to whom they offered sacrifices is one of the Idae Dactyli. the fourth is the son of jupiter and asteria the sister of latona chiefly honored by the tyrians who pretend that carthago is his daughter the fifth called belus is worshipped in india the sixth is the son of alcmena by jupiter but by the third jupiter for there are many jupiters as you shall soon see since this examination has led me so far i will convince you that in matters of religion i have learned more from the pontifical rites the customs of our ancestors and the vessels of numa which lilius mentions in his little golden oration then from all the learning of the stoics for tell me if i were a disciple of your school what answer could i make to these questions if there are gods are nymphs also goddesses if they are goddesses are pans and satyrs in the same rank but they are not consequently nymphs are not goddesses yet they have temples publicly dedicated to them what do you conclude from thence others who have temples are not therefore gods but let us go on you call jupiter and neptune gods their brother pluto then is one and if so those rivers also are deities which they say flow in the infernal regions acheron Cocytus, pyriflegethon charon also and cerberus are gods but that cannot be allowed nor can pluto be placed among the deities what then will you say of his brothers thus reasons carneades not with any design to destroy the existence of the gods for what would less become a philosopher but to convince us that on that matter the stoics have said nothing plausible if then jupiter and neptune are gods adds he can that divinity be denied to their father saturn who is principally worshipped throughout the west if saturn is a god then must his father coelus be one too and so must the parents of coelus which are the sky and day as also their brothers and sisters, which by ancient genealogists are thus named love, deceit, fear, labour, envy, fate, old age, death, darkness, misery, lamentation, favour, fraud, obstinacy, the destinies, the Hesperides, and dreams all which are the offspring of erebus and night these monstrous deities therefore must be received or else those from whom they sprung must be disallowed if you say that apollo vulcan mercury and the rest of that sort are gods can you doubt the divinity of hercules and aesculapius bacchus castor and pollux these are worshipped as much as those and even more in some places therefore they must be numbered among the gods though on the mother's side they are only of mortal race aristaos who is said to have been the son of apollo and to have found out the art of making oil from the olive theseus the son of neptune and the rest whose fathers were deities shall they not be placed in the number of the gods? But what think you of those whose mothers were goddesses? They surely have a better title to divinity, for in the civil law, as he is a free man who is born of a free woman, so in the law of nature, he whose mother is a goddess must be a god. The isle Astipalia religiously honor Achilles, and if he is a deity, orpheus and rhesus are so who were born of one of the muses unless perhaps there may be a privilege belonging to sea marriages which land marriages have not orpheus and rhesus are nowhere worshipped and if they are therefore not gods because they are nowhere worshipped as such how can the others be deities you Balbus seemed to agree with me that the honors which they received were not from their being regarded as immortals but as men richly endued with virtue but if you think latona a goddess how can you avoid admitting hecate to be one also who was the daughter of asteria latona's sister certainly she is one if we may judge by the altars erected to her in greece and if hecate is a goddess how can you refuse that rank to the eumenides for they also have a temple at athens and if i understand right the romans have consecrated a grove to them the furies too whom we look upon as the inspectors into and scourges of impiety i suppose must have their divinity too as you hold that there is some divinity which presides over every human affair there is one who presides over the travail of matrons whose name natio is derived a ah, nascentibus from nativities and to whom we used to sacrifice in our processions in the fields of Ardia. but if she is a deity we must likewise acknowledge all those you mentioned honor faith intellect concord by the same rule also hope juno moneta and every idle phantom every child of our imagination are deities but as this consequence is quite inadmissible do not you either defend the cause from which it flows what say you to this if these are deities which we worship and regard as such why are not Serapis and Isis placed in the same rank? And if they are admitted, what reason have we to reject the gods of the barbarians? Thus we should deify oxen, horses, the ibis, hawks, asps, crocodiles, fishes, dogs, wolves, cats, and many other beasts if we go back to the source of this superstition we must equally condemn all the deities from which they proceed shall i know whom the greeks call lucathia and we matuta be reputed a goddess because she was the daughter of cadmus and shall that title be refused to circe and Pasiphae, who had the son for their father and Perseus, daughter of the ocean for their mother it is true, Circe has divine honours paid her by our colony of Ccaum, therefore you call her a goddess. But what will you say of Medea, the granddaughter of the sun and the ocean, and daughter of aeetes and Idea? What will you say of her brother Abpsyrtos, whom Pineus calls? Aegeleus, though the other name is more frequent in the writings of the ancients if you did not deify one as well as the other what will become of aino for all these deities have the same origin shall amphioreus and trophonios be called gods our publicans when some lands in boeotia were exempted from the tax as belonging to the immortal gods denied that any were immortal who had been men. But if you deify these, Erechtheus surely is a god whose temple and priest we have seen at Athens. And can you, then, refuse to acknowledge also Codrus and many others who shed their blood for the preservation of their country? And if it is not allowable to consider all these men as gods, then certainly probabilities are not in favour of our acknowledging the divinity of those previously mentioned beings from whom these have proceeded it is easy to observe likewise that if in many countries people have paid divine honours to the memory of those who have signalized their courage it was done in order to animate others to practice virtue and to expose themselves the more willingly to dangers in their country's cause from this motive the athenians have deified erechtheus and his daughters and have erected also a temple called laocorion to the daughters of laos alabandos is more honoured in the city which he founded than any of the more illustrious deities from thence Storatonicos had a pleasant turn as he had many when he was troubled with an impertinent fellow who insisted that alabandos was a god but that hercules was not very well says he then let the anger of alabandos fall upon me and that of hercules upon you do you not consider balbus to what lengths your arguments for the divinity of the heaven and the stars will carry you you deify the sun and the moon, which the Greeks take to be Apollo and Diana, if the moon is a deity, the morning star, the other planets, and all the fixed stars are also deities and Why shall not the rainbow be placed in that number for it is so wonderfully beautiful that it is justly said to be the daughter of Thomas. But if you deify the rainbow, what regard will you pay to the clouds? for the colors which appear in the bow are only formed of the clouds one of which is said to have brought forth the centaurs and if you deify the clouds you cannot pay less regard to the seasons which the roman people have really consecrated tempests showers storms and whirlwinds must then be deities it is certain at least that our captains used to sacrifice a victim to the waves before they embarked on any voyage as you deify the earth under the name of ceres because as you said she bears fruit a garendo, and the ocean under that of neptune rivers and fountains have the same right thus we see that maso the conqueror of corsica dedicated a temple to a fountain and the names of the tiber spino almo nodinus and other neighbouring rivers are in the prayers of the augurs therefore either the number of such deities will be infinite or we must admit none of them and wholly disapprove of such an endless series of superstition none of all these assertions then are to be admitted i must proceed now balbus to answer those who say that with regard to those deified mortals so religiously and devoutly reverenced the public opinion should have the force of reality to begin then they who are called theologists say that there are three jupiters the first and second of whom were born in arcadia one of whom was the son of ether and father of proserpine and bacchus the other the son of Coilus and father of minerva who is called the goddess and inventress of war the third one born of saturn in the isle of crete where his sepulchre is shown the sons of jupiter dioscuri also among the greeks have many names first the three who at athens have the title of anactes tritopatreos Eubulios, and dionysus sons of the most ancient king jupiter and proserpine the next are castor and pollux sons of the third jupiter and leda and lastly three others by some called alca melampus and tamalos sons of atreus the son of pelops as to the muses there were at first four Thelxinae, aede archi and melidi daughters of the second jupiter afterward there were nine daughters of the third jupiter and mimosyne there were also nine others having the same appellations born of pyrrhos and antiope by the poets usually called Paerides and pyria though sol the sun is so called you say because he is solus single yet how many sons do theologists mention there is one the son of jupiter and grandson of ether another the son of hyperion a third who the egyptians say was of the city heliopolis sprung from vulcan the son of nilus a fourth is said to have been born at rhodes of acantho in the times of the heroes and was the grandfather of Chalices, Camiros, and lindos a fifth, of whom it is pretended aretes and circe were born at calcis there are likewise several vulcans the first who had of minerva that apollo whom the ancient historians call the tutelary god of athens was the son of coelus the second whom the egyptians call opas and whom they looked upon as the protector of egypt is the son of nilus the third who is said to have been the master of forges at lemnos was the son of the third jupiter and of juno the fourth who possessed the islands near sicily called urcanii was the son of menelius one mercury had Coilus for his father and dies for his mother another who is said to dwell in a cavern and is the same as trophonios is the son of valens and foronis a third of whom and of penelope pan was the offspring is the son of the third jupiter and maya a fourth whom the egyptians think it a crime to name is the son of nilus a fifth whom we call in their language thoth as with them the first month of the year is called is he whom the people of Phineum worship and who is said to have killed argus to have fled for it into egypt and to have given laws and learning to the egyptians the first of the aesculapii the god of arcadia who is said to have invented the probe and to have been the first person who taught men to use bandages for wounds is the son of apollo the second who was killed with thunder and is said to be buried in sinosra is the brother of the second mercury the third who is said to have found out the art of purging the stomach and of drawing teeth is the son of arsippus and Arsinoe, and in arcadia there is shown his tomb and the wood which is consecrated to him near the river lucium i have already spoken of the most ancient of the apollos who is the son of vulcan and tutelar god of athens there is another son of corybas and native of crete for which island he is said to have contended with jupiter himself a third who came from the regions of the Hyperborei to delphi is the son of the third jupiter and of latona a fourth was of arcadia whom the arcadians called Nomiō because they regarded him as their legislator there are likewise many dianas the first who is thought to be the mother of the winged cupid is the daughter of jupiter and proserpine the second who is more known is daughter of the third jupiter and of latona the third whom the greeks often call by her father's name is the daughter of Opis and Glauke. there are many also of the Dionysi. the first was the son of jupiter and proserpine the second who is said to have killed nysa was the son of nilus the third who reigned in asia and for whom the Sabazdia were instituted was the son of caprios the fourth for whom they celebrate the orphic festivals sprung from jupiter and luna the fifth, who is supposed to have instituted the Triateride, was the son of nisus and thione the first venus who has a temple at elis was the daughter of coelus and deus the second arose out of the froth of the sea and became by mercury the mother of the second cupid the third the daughter of jupiter and diana was married to vulcan but is said to have had Antaros by mars the fourth was a syrian born of Tiro, who is called astarte and is said to have been married to adonis i have already mentioned one minerva mother of apollo another who is worshipped at sais a city in egypt sprung from Nilus. the third whom i have also mentioned was daughter of jupiter the fourth sprung from jupiter and coripe the daughter of the ocean the arcadians call her coria and make her the inventress of chariots a fifth, whom they paint with wings at her heels was daughter of pallas and is said to have killed her father for endeavoring to violate her chastity the first cupid is said to be the son of mercury and the first diana the second of mercury and the second venus the third who is the same as anteros of mars and the third venus all these opinions arise from old stories that were spread in greece the belief in which balbus you well know ought to be stopped, lest religion should suffer. But you Stoics, so far from refuting them, even give them authority by the mysterious sense which you pretend to find in them. Can you, then, think, after this plain refutation, that there is need to employ more subtle reasonings? But to return from this digression... End of Part 1 of Book 3 Recording in memory of Mitchell Edwards.